0: what we consume ahoy ahoy and welcome to what we consume a podcast all about what we put into our minds and bodies i'm your host king Hagathor, and with me as always hey it's kevin what's up everybody hope you're doing well all right so kevin last time we talked about dominoes and specifically the story of their mascot the noid And that got me thinking about how many other mascots there have been out there, and there's far too many to do in one episode, but I just grabbed a selection of some interesting stories involving mascots, so for this is just memorable mascots, for better or worse, and we're just going to talk about a few of them, so... The world's first television commercial was for the Bulova Watch Company in 1941. It aired July 1st during a Brooklyn Dodgers Philadelphia Phillies game. It cost between four and nine dollars to make, which, roughly, by today's standards, would be between seventy-five and one hundred seventy dollars. It was seen by about four thousand people in New York. Now, the thing that really strikes me there is the fact that, like, even by today's standards, it was only seventy-five to one hundred seventy dollars because At this point, you couldn't make a commercial. Even shooting a commercial would cost you hundreds of dollars, much less putting it on the air, and getting it viewed by anyone. But somehow, times change. Following that up, in 1952, Dwight D. Eisenhower had massive success with TV ads for his campaign, leading to his election as the 34th president of the United States. Also in 1952, Mr. Potato Head became the first toy promoted in a TV commercial. Nearly 2 million Mr. Potato Heads sold in the first year.
1: Wow, that's a great turnover.
0: Yeah, and the other crazy thing about mr potato head is it was just a potato that you could stick ears and nose and an eye on or er, and eyes on <laughs> they were basically just selling a potato with accessories and the problem with that is potatoes tend to rot after a while so like these mr potato heads were like fun little dress-up dolls but they only lasted for a couple of weeks or so before they began to literally rot
1: in the children's hands. That's wild. They didn't like think was send out a plastic thing. Like when when did you say this was again? This was in nineteen fifty two. I mean, there was plenty of like plastic type toys. I wonder if a real potato was the original Mister Potato Head. Like if I don't know. I know what I'm trying to say, but I don't know how to get it out. Like if that was the like some random kid who came up with it or a person who came up with it they used to play with a potato when they were young and so they are like this is how we're gonna sell it
0: it's possible but it also might have been a uh corporate decision like it it might have been that they were like all right look if we use real potatoes they'll have to keep buying more because they'll keep rotting if we use a plastic one they'll only have to buy one so it might have been seen as better for continued purchases yeah
1: what was mr potato like was it just a toy line or like a where did it come from did you say that that's
0: what it was it was a line of toys that was a potato with accessories so it
1: wasn't in like a tv show or like something like a like a puppet or anything before that
0: no no it was just this uh commercial and for this toy and people bought nearly two million of them in the first year in 1952 that's a lot of money you had to think about that what they probably well I, I didn't find how much they sold them for but yeah nearly 2 million if it was you know if it was a cent that's still Two hundred thousand, or sorry, that's still twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. So catchy jingles and friendly ma- mascots became popular ways to sell products. So today we're going to talk about some of those memorable ones, and we're going to start off with Host Cereals Crinkles the Clown. You can go ahead and look at that first commercial. It's a minute long. okie
1: dokey. That was horrifying. I'm gonna be honest. Like a, as a kid, I maybe back then. Like, you're raised to like clowns, and they're something that you should, you know, have fun with and stuff. But as a kid, if I was a kid and I saw that commercial, I would literally never buy that cereal, ever. Yeah, I find it incredibly
0: unpleasant. So according to Encyclopedia Britannica... Cholerophobia is the irrational fear of clowns, but to scientists, the fear is not that irrational. A tra- the traditional makeup of a clown hides both their identities and their emotions, giving the character an uncanny nature that distorts the face just enough that it's still recognizable as human, but slightly off. So it gives that real uncanny valley feeling to it. A 2016 poll found that Americans were more afraid of clowns than of a terrorist attack or even dying. That feeling has been reinforced over the years with John Wayne Gacy, the several iterations of Pennywise from It, a variety of other horror media, as well as the
1: 2016 clown sightings across the U.S. But clowns used to Dude, be popular. That's, being- that that's honestly wild. Like... That more people are scared of clowns than a terrorist attack. I mean, clowns are. I, I'm pretty sure I'm more scared of a clown than a terrorist attack. One, you you're going to see more clowns while you're alive than you are terrorist attacks, like up close and personal. But yeah, I don't. I don't know why people like clowns in the first place. I I'm not
0: terrorized by clowns, but I do find them very off putting. I. I don't really think their shtick is all that incredible, and yeah, I don't like that they're hidden behind these painted faces. Typically, with like, especially in the case of Crinkles, it's just, it, it looks like a very unpleasant person to be around. Between like, his movements, his overexcited nature, and just like, the way they painted his face and give him gave him the fake hair. It's just, it's all unpleasant. But clowns used to be popular, being staples of rodeos, circuses, birthday parties, as well as advertising. So Crinkles the Clown was used in 1960 to advertise post-sugar-coated rice crinkles. Essentially, sugar-coated Rice Krispies. And to do this, they used this obnoxious, unpleasant, plaster face prick. <laughs> Post also tried advertising the cereal with a little Asian stereotype named So High, which had just about all the racist stereotypes they could throw in, including a quote-unquote happy ending in the form of a toy car in the cereal boxes. Post chose some pretty weird advertising choices.
1: I mean, it was the 50s, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, that's all weird. But I, go, like, you know, going back to old... Like, those times, anyway, would be such a cultural shock for us, anyway. Yeah, and and people at the time had a lot more tolerance for clowns.
0: Speaking of which, the next one up on our list is the original Ronald McDonald and the original Hamburglar. So, go ahead and watch those two uh, links. I
1: think I'm traumatized from that commercial. Was that just the Ronald one? Yeah, that was way worse than the crinkles. (laughs) Dude, he looks evil. (laughs) What What were they thinking?
0: uh, We'll get to that in a minute. Go ahead and watch that Hamburger one.
1: I actually liked that commercial. I don't know why, but it made me smile. Maybe because of some, like, nostalgia of, like, that's, like, the kind of Ronald McDonald that I remember. But it was just so goofy. Like, I loved it. And the Hamburger looks like a vampire. Like, that was so weird. Like, and then they... (laughs)
0: I, I loved it. Alright, so originally Ronald McDonald was created to fill the gap after Bozo the Clown went off air. Willard Scott, uh, mostly known as the Today Show Weatherman in the 80s and 90s, created the original look and character of Ronald. The original Ronald McDonald kind of looks like the scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz and a caricature of a 1940s hobo had a love child they abandoned in a McDonald's dumpster that grew up feeding off the scraps of Big Macs and booze. <laughs> I, I really don't <laughs> like his look. No. Um, and apparently nobody else did either, because uh, soon afterwards in 1966, Ronald would get a rework by circus performer Michael Polakov, who was known as Coco the Clown in the circus scene. And this is where Ronald McDonald got his now famous look, like the one we remember for the last 40 or 50 years. In 2011, there was a sizable movement to retire Ronald, as many saw him... As marketing his unhealthy food to children, they went as far as to compare him to Joe Camel in advertising to a younger audience. McDonald's hasn't completely retired Ronald, though he has been sidelined quite a bit since the 2016 clown sightings I uh, mentioned earlier. He's still active at live events and on social media, but instead of being in the commercials, they mostly feature the food that they're trying to sell instead.
1: That's, That's crazy. Like, I don't know, I never... Thought that having the clown in there was trying to sell kids unhealthy food. Like, it's just a mascot. The parents and people are going to go buy the food regardless. Like that, I mean, they've been around, what, at that time... 50 plus years you're gonna go you're uh, gonna go there
0: regardless that's weird the original Hamburglar was an old man with a massive nose and large rat-like teeth he had striped clothes like a prisoner and a black cape he would spread open like a flasher as he mumbled robble grobble his design was then changed to a large round plastic cherub face which made him a little more tolerable for kids Then somewhere between 2003 and 2005, he disappeared. He re-emerged in 2015 as an adult man with a normal face, some beard stubble, and a wife and child. According to a spokeswoman, quote, he's been lying low, living a quiet life. The reviews have been very mixed on this new Hamburglar. Some call him sexy, while others find him creepy. That's what McDonald's has been doing. On the other side, there's the Burger King
1: king. So go ahead and watch that one real quick. (laughs) That's so funny i i remember that commercial vividly i love like i honestly love the king mascot like he'd he's like awkward and weird enough to be like that something that i would watch a lot but not like creepy and overstepping to where you're like oh this is just ridiculous the
0: king has been through uh, several iterations over the years um starting off he was created in nineteen fifty five. He wore a crown on top of a white powdered wig. He was a he had a happy smile and rosy cheeks. He wore a coronation robe and clogs, and he's usually pictured sitting on top of one of their precious patties. This rendition lasted until nineteen sixty nine when they opted for a more kid friendly version. Now this was just his image was just a picture. They wouldn't get into live action until later. So after 1969, this more kid friendly version had a more car- had more cartoonish proportions. He lost the powdered wig, revealing chin-length brown hair, and had a taller, thinner crown. He looked like he could pal around with, like, the Keebler elves or the Flintstones. He kind of had that aesthetic to his pictures. Leaving the comfort of his burger throne, he, his typical posture was standing up with arms spread wide in a warm, greeting gesture. But trapped in the 2D cartoon plane, he was still lagging behind Ronald McDonald, who was live-action and actually interacting with children. So in the 1980s, the king went live action. Being played by a man in a costume, this was generally seen as a good move. It, like he was just a normal guy in a kingly attire. The king physically existed and, like Ronald, could be in commercials playing with kids and being generally likable. He would unicycle and like run around with them and everything. It was, it was okay, but it, it still didn't have quite the appeal of Ronald McDonald's. So then in 2003, Burger King decided to change once more. Still live-action, but with a large plastic head with a permanent grin, this new king was also quite the scamp. Unlike Ronald McDonald, who's typically seen as friendly but clumsy clown, who can make kids smile... Burger King went a very different direction, making the king a morally and legally ambiguous character, with commercials showing him breaking into McDonald's headquarters to steal recipes, creeping into characters or er, customers' houses to deliver menu items, setting fires to barrel, reverse pickpocketing people on the street, and all other manner of bizarre and suspicious behavior. Honestly, that's my favorite version of the king. That's that's the one in the commercial I sent you. Just what a weirdo. <laughs> He's doing things that are illegal, but it's not morally re- reprehensible. It's just kind of silly and goofy. But some people found the uh, plastic head off-putting. I never really had a problem with it.
1: I didn't either. He reminded me of Mr. Bean, basically, like his actions and stuff. He was he was getting into some trouble, but like it's all okay because he's a he's a sweet weird person. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this version of the King lasted until 2011, when poor sales made Burger King change their marketing to be more food-centric. This uh, marketing approach aimed to bring back the customers they believed they had lost to the King being seen as creepy and scary. In 2015, Burger King brought him back to be in Floyd Mayweather's entourage during his fight with Manny Pacquiao. Also during 2015, the King was present behind behind horse trainer Bob Bar- Baffert when American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown. The King was also would also be with Baffert when he became the second horse trainer to win two Triple Crowns when he won it again in 2018. In case you don't know, the Triple Crown is winning the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes. The King has returned as the restaurant's mascot and is still being used in commercials to this day.
1: Yeah, he should be. The
0: King's awesome. Yeah, I I got to admit I kind of like the king. So the next one will be Taco Bell. You can go ahead and watch that commercial. Bro,
1: are we about to get into the Chihuahua? I hope it's we are the abs- Chihuahua.
0: We're we're absolutely about to get into the Chihuahua.
1: Dude, I they should have never went away from the Chihuahua. That's all I have to say. I am so excited for this. The Chihuahua has to be one of the best mascots ever made in like in fast food or any product history ever. It was so great. He just he broke that other little chihuahua's heart right there, just for some Taco yeah. Bell. So in nineteen
0: or er, sorry, in nineteen ninety-seven, Taco Bell started a new ad campaign featuring a talking Chihuahua. Gidget was a twelve pound female Chihuahua born in nineteen ninety-four, but her on-screen persona was voiced by Carlos Alezraki. Alezraki? Hopefully I said that right. So prior to the Taco Bell Chihuahua ad, Taco Bell had been in talks with Thomas Rinks and Joseph Shields developing the campaign and commercials for a year under the name Psycho Chihuahua. They wanted to make a children's show out of it, but like we're in, we're trying to get a sponsorship with Taco Bell. Originally, Gidget was supposed to play the girlfriend of the main character, but the director liked her personality and thus made her the Chihuahua. Taco Bell spent $500 million on the Taco Bell Chihuahua campaign. She appeared in numerous commercials from 1997 to 2000 before her career was cut short. Many in the Hispanic community disliked the ad, claiming that it was a racist stereotype. Mario Oblito, uh, president of the Sacramento-based California Coalition of Hispanic Organizations and former state secretary of health, education, and welfare, said... Quote, to equate a dog to the entire ethnic population is outrageous, despicable, demeaning, and degrading. And in response to these ads, Jack in the Box also had Chihuahua ads, and he railed against them as well. Some people didn't like it, well I would say quite a few people didn't like it, but that's not what killed the career. What really killed it was disputes over the rights of using the Chihuahua in marketing that began in 1998, when Rings and Shields filed suit claiming they had never been paid for creation of the character. In June 2003, a federal judge in Michigan ordered Taco Bell to pay $30 million, followed by a federal judge tacking on an extra $12 million more in interest. Taco Bell followed by suing T W B er, TBWA, the ad agency that brought the Chihuahua campaign to the screen, but TBWA was found to not be at fault, and Taco Bell was stuck paying the bill. So essentially, they already spent $500 million on this campaign, and then they had to spend another $42 million paying the guys who gave them the idea. As for Gidget, she went on to play a role in Legally Blonde 2 and Beverly Hills Chihuahua, as well as doing a Geico ad, but after being typed... <laughs> she got typecast as the talk of bell dog so she couldn't get much other work she was owned by studio animal services but lived with her trainer sue chipperton until her death in 2009 at the ripe old age of 15 sorry gidget died in 2009 sue is still alive
1: bro that's how how can you top cast a chihuahua like it's just a dog I, I know, it's, <laughs> I found that so silly. I don't, like, I don't even think I knew that that was the same dog in Legally Blonde, and I've watched Legally Blonde in those commercials a lot.
0: Well, in, in Legally Blonde 2, she doesn't play the main character's dog, she plays, was it Bruiser's mother? Okay, but still, like, I like I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I knew she had popped up in other things, but I, I didn't, I never watched the sequel, so I... Didn't realize
1: that was her. I wonder what their turnover was for. Five hundred million is a lot on a like an ad campaign, especially at that time. Like that—that's a lot of money. I wonder how much, like, like what the number was. Did they make that back or like double it? Like how I wonder how well it
0: did. I don't know. I didn't find those numbers, but uh I do remember them sponsoring the uh 1997 Godzilla movie. So I'm assuming that took up quite a
1: bit of that budget. I always wondered where that dog went. Like why those ads stopped because we were just kids when they came out, what 7 and 8, and then like we wouldn't have been any older than 10 when they stopped basically. So Yeah. You you're just like, "Where did where did the dog go?"
0: Yeah, it turns out um Legal trouble. Keeping in line with dogs. Next, we're moving on to Bud Light and Budweiser. So you can go ahead and watch that one.
1: Dude, Spuds McKenzie is awesome. I've never seen that before. But when he turned around in his little uh, red and white striped bathing suit, I that was amazing. Uh, the cutest dog ever. Loved it. So... Honey Tree Evil Eye, or Evie,
0: a female bull terrier, was bred to be a show dog. She performed well in her breed, but never won. Lucky, lucky for her, at a show in Chicago, she was spotted by the ad agency DDB Needham. They booked a photo shoot with the dog for a new ad campaign, and the pictures and posters were so popular that the wholesalers demanded that Anheuser-Busch put the dog on TV. Though Honey Tree Evil Eye was a female dog, the campaign presented her as Spuds McKenzie, a cool male dog, the life of the party. People loved it. Evie was perfect for TV, being a more relaxed and mellow member of her breed. She was well-trained and easier to work with in commercials than most animal stars. I just can't believe they named her Honey Tree Evil Eyes. Just, what a mouthful of a name. So most of the commercials featuring Spuds have the same premise. Spuds either shows up or is already at a party, and everyone loves that Spuds is there because he is the life of the party. The commercials never acknowledge that Spuds is a dog, implying that he is in fact a man, but not just any man, the coolest, most awesome man that other men aspire to be. This leads to a lot of uncomfortable moments where it's heavily insinuated in the commercials that the women, quote-unquote, spudettes, really kind of want to fuck that dog. The commercials were a massive success, assisting in increasing Bud Light sales by 20% between 1987 and 1988. Anheuser-Busch spent $50 million on the campaign with Super Bowl commercials, posters, and stuffed animals. Bill Stolberg, who worked for the PR firm Anheuser-Busch used for the campaign, would travel with Spuds and act as his brand manager and voice, never breaking character, even when ser- serious journalists attempted to ask questions. Quote, the first question we'd always get is, what kind of dog is Spuds? To which I replied, he's not a dog, he's an executive.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't. So, I wouldn't go by Bud Light right now just because of that dog. Like, I th- those commercials were awesome. He he was I mean, the original most interesting man in the world before the most interesting man in the world. He
0: certainly has that kind of presence in the ads. One of the really weird things about this is like. So the journalists kept asking questions and they kept getting kind of stonewalled in, like, he's not a dog, he's an executive. But somebody found out where they lived and basically doxed their owner so, like, everyone knew where Spuds lived, which is incredibly cre- creepy behavior to find out about a dog. Like there, there was like actual headlines that
1: were like Spuds is
0: actually a female dog. Whoa! Ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, it, like it's a mass. Like it, the, the dog is a mascot. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I get. Like, when did you? Shit. When did you say this came out? Uh,
0: nineteen eighty seven.
1: Yeah, I guess that you still had what, misogynist and male-dominated stuff, so they found out that their hero, Spud, was a a woman, so it, like, destroyed their perspective upon life. Which is just the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. So,
0: less than a year after the campaign started, it faced the U.S. Senate. Strom Thurmond, who I've got a lot to say about, but not right now, accused the company of using the dog to advertise advertised to underage drinkers essentially the government found it to be promoting basically they thought like this is an ad using a dog to you know work on the cutesy angles the kids love so like this is advertising to underage drinkers i i don't really think it had that angle to it much like you didn't really see it ronald mcdonald advertising to kids this one i just i don't really like it it never shows kids in any of the commercials it never like has spuds interacting with kids or like trying to get them to drink it's just spuds the life of the party so it's much more aimed at like college or 20 year old people
1: that is some messed up bullshit that is definitely some like some man or got his pride hurt in the '80s, and he was like, "I'm gonna ruin this dog's career." It was like <laughs> that. How? Like I'm trying to put two and two together right now, but that could be any... Like it has women in it, like literally hot women in it. That you could. That's oh, underage drinking for teenage boys. Like that's oh, you can't have women. You can't have anything. Like what? That is. The most ridiculous argument I have ever heard. It is a dog.
0: Yeah, when I read that, I rolled my eyes. I, I just find it kind of ridiculous. They would also get in trouble for the uh, Budweiser frogs later on for what they as- claim was the same tactic of, like, advertising to underage drinkers. So it's just, someone got, you know, thorn in their foot about it. I, I don't get it, but whatever. That's so the ne- stupid. Yeah. yeah. So the next Super Bowl ad the following year featured no alcohol and instead was used to warn of the dangers of old overindulging, with Spuds playing a slide guitar and the Spudettes in unison saying, "Know when to say when." The ads featuring Spuds became fewer and fewer and and were finished by the end of the decade, which isn't surprising because with most of these campaigns, 18 months is typically the longevity. And With the backlash from the Senate, it just wasn't really worth continuing. Honey Tree Evil Eye was content to living a quiet life in retirement, well loved by her family, until passing away from kidney failure in 1993 at the age of 10. To mark the 30th anniversary of Spuds, Bud Light had one more commercial during Super Bowl 51, where the spirit of Spuds, now voiced by Carl Weathers, returns in a Christmas Carol parody to help a man remember the meaning of friendship and parting with his dumb friends. That's sweet, to be honest. Yeah, and, and the commercial's okay. I I didn't bother to link it, but yeah, so now we've featured a couple of dogs. Let's get a little weird with it. Let's 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 look at Quiznos.
1: <laughs> Go ahead and play the Quiznos one. What what was that? was <laughs> what, the weirdest commercial I've ever seen? Like, but it works like I, I don't know I don't think it would have made me want to go eat Quiznos but I'm like I want to see where this mascots are going have you never seen that before
0: no I do not remember that at all um, and that's one of the ones I remember the most from
1: childhood just because it was just like what the hell is this. That's like some crazy adult swim stuff you would see. Like Aqua Team, Hunger Force, all like that's yeah, or that's like what Tim it, and Eric. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of.
0: Like that they were great. Yeah. yeah, so Quizno's marketing has always been rather bizarre. From Quiz to the horny oven, they were always quirky with their ads, mostly because they didn't have the Financial backing of something like Subway, so they had to get really creative with them. Their most famous or infamous ads would be the Spong Monkeys. And I believe that's how it's pronounced. It could be Sponge Monkeys, but there's no E, so I'm assuming it's Spong Monkeys. Spong Monkeys were created by Joel Veach, lead singer of the band Seven Seconds of Love, which is an alright band. It's not really my taste, but uh, it sounds pretty good he was also a british web animator for the humor site beta website still active as of this month but still looking like it was no one's worked on it since 2000. Like, it, it's really retro looking. Spong monkeys were pictures of Tarsiers with large human eyes and ma- mouths photoshopped onto them to give them an unsettling cartoonish look, and they originally sang about loving the moon. But after a member of the ad firm associated with Quizno saw the ad in an email, uh, or saw the uh, original video in an email, they got a hold of each and made several commercials featuring the creatures in 2004. The commercials had a very polarizing effect. Some people found them repulsive, annoying, and upsetting, while others found them charming and funny. It worked well for Quiznos because they didn't have the massive uh, marketing budget like I mentioned, and the Spong monkeys, like it or not, were very good at getting people talking about Quiznos. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be enough, and the 2008 financial crisis hit Quiznos very hard, and they've never really recovered from it. Along with legal troubles with their franchises, Quiznos filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2014, and as of 2018, are down to just 8,000 stores worldwide. Or er, sorry, 800 stores worldwide. As per our last episode, where Domino's has over 18,000, 800 is very minimal. As for the Spong Monkeys, their ad campaign was brief, but their legacy lives on in a not-so-flattering way. People still bring up the Spong Monkeys on Twitter, claiming things like Quiznos put a hex on us with those ads. <laughs> and I, I found other examples of people talking on it on, on Twitter, but I didn't really find it uh worth, like, citing them. One thing to note is that in early 2004, Quiznos used an internet meme for marketing, and it worked. Like, that's, that's one of the earliest ones I could find of, like... Spong monkeys were essentially a meme, and they used it in an ad.
1: Yeah, they're one hundred percent a meme, and if that commercial came out now, like, could you imagine them putting that on YouTube like now? it would blow up like regardless of if people like the ad or didn't it would be made fun of and shared so many times honestly they should bring it back out and let the general Zers go after it they would destroy it and it would be wonder. it could revive them they could go from 800 stores to like a thousand in like six months
0: well maybe but at this point whenever a meme is used in uh in a commercial it's usually cited as like the death of the meme once once a meme hits broadcast tv like nobody really uses it anymore i can't really think of any examples but a lot of
1: times like that's when it stops being popular and starts being cringe but don't put it on like broadcast tv they need to do it for like youtube and like i know you don't use tiktok much but to think you're scrolling through and you see those like just pop up randomly I, I personally think it could work. I should reach out to him.
0: <laughs> Sticking with fast food sub sandwiches, it's time to talk about Subway. Go ahead and watch that one.
1: Yeah, Jared Fogle, one of the most infamous commercial people ever. Yep, let's talk about it. So born, in, born
0: August 23rd. 1977, Jared Scott Fogel was a six foot two business major at Indiana University in 1998. He weighed 425 pounds or 192.8 kilograms. Prior to that, he avoided friends and social events, overeating unhealthy food f- by himself instead. Quote, I knew you were supposed to go on dates and go to parties, but because I was so big, I just took myself out of the equation. I was really feeling low, just feeling bad about myself across the board, and I was standing there at the Subway sandwich shop, reading a sign advertising there seven sandwiches with six grams of fat menu. It just sort of dawned on me. I like Subway. Maybe this is a way I could lose weight. So, in the span of a year, Fogel lost 245 pounds or 111 kilograms. That's like losing
1: me and my dog worth of body fat. Yeah, that's a lot. And, like, if to him to stick to just like eating Subway and stuff, like, that's commendable. Like, that's a, it's really hard to do to have that discipline to do that. Yeah, and
0: it's, it's even worse than that. We'll get into that in just a second. So, the following spring, uh, when he was spotted by his former freshman roommate, Ryan Coleman, who was a reporter for the university's student newspaper, the Indiana Daily Student, he barely recognized Fogel, and his weight loss was such a shock, he wrote a story for the paper about it called From Thick to Thin. Fogel had accomplished it by vol- following a very strict diet and walking. For lunch... He would eat a six-inch turkey sub, a bag of baked chips, and a Diet Coke for dinner. He would eat a foot-long veggie sub and a Diet, uh, sorry, a oh, Diet oh, Coke. Sorry, that he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no extras were added to the sandwich. No extras, no dressings, and no cheese. So he went from consuming ten thousand calories per day to just two thousand. For context. The Rock's daily calorie intake is roughly 4,100, and he's 6'5 and always working out. So for Jared to formally be consuming 10,000 calories a day is horrifying. (laughs) But also, like, no extras, no dressing, no cheese. So that 6-inch turkey club is just turkey and bread. Like, I couldn't imagine trying to eat just that for a year and I feel like it kind of shows that Jared is a fucking psychopath.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that do stuff like that to lose weight. Like, uh, I, I mean, that's a little like extreme with like your sandwich and stuff. Like, you could have he could have put like some stuff on it that is a little extreme. But I mean, there, there's a lot of people that do like crazy things like that. But that's a, like a crazy change to ten thousand to two thousand. He must have felt so bad just from it, it's basically like coming off drugs. Like you're, you're. I bet he had so many headaches. He had so many, just like he, so much fatigue, so much bad sleep, and airway. Like, it must have been miserable to come off of that. It's real. It's really hard to stop eating how you normally do because your body like regulates that. That's like it, it, it thinks that you're being um like attacked if you're not eating that much on a regular basis anymore so his body was probably like hey we're dying it, it also just shows an in a very impressive amount of discipline to
0: be able to eat just that and only that every day for a year but you know it worked he he did lose the 245 pounds So, he started getting more media attention, and Subway took notice of it. They thought it was a great opportunity, so they shot a local commercial that aired January 1st, 2000. Subway's sales rose 18% that year, and another 16% the year after that. He would go on to star in over 300 commercials for Subway. Being their spokesman, pretty much playing himself, was the only job that Jared had in his adult life. Besides appearing as himself and several other things. He showed up several times in SNL. He showed up in Super Size Me, Jack and Jill, Community, Sharknado 2 and Sharknado 3. Although he was cut from Sharknado 3. But like his, his entire adult life, he has just played himself, which will get will be important later. So following his initial success, Jared married his first wife, Elizabeth Christie, That marriage would end in 2007. In 2002, South Park parodied Jared in the episode Jared Has AIDS. If you remember that, it's where he was talking about how he had AIDS as in personal assistance that would help him with his weight loss. But everyone thought that he had AIDS as in the disease. That was the point of the entire episode. In 2004 he created a nonprofit organization called the Jared Foundation focused on education on childhood obesity. The foundation was run by a man named Russell Taylor who is not the singer because apparently there's several other famous Russell Taylors. This isn't any of them. This is just the Jared Foundation Russell Taylor. In 2008 Subway had a campaign called the Tour de Pants celebrating Jared's decade of keeping the weight off by having him tour with his pants that had a 62-inch waistline. That's over 5 feet of waistline, or 157 centimeters. Like, I know people that aren't that tall. Like, he's basically got an entire person wrapped around him when he was at his heaviest, which is just nuts to me. And then Jared first came to the attention of federal law enforcement in 2007. A woman named Rochelle Herman Waldron... Or er, Walrund, who was a former radio host, met Jared at a local middle school health event in Sarasota, Florida, as part of his speaking tour, where he made lewd, lewd comments about the junior high girls. She made recordings of his remarks and saved the text messages they exchanged and took them to the FBI, including wanting some of the comments were really fucking gross, but uh, it, it included wanting her to befriend children and to install a webcam in her children's room that he could watch. In 2008, Cindy Mills, a Subway uh, franchisee from 2006 to 2012, claimed that she told three different Subway advertising executives that Jared had made comments about paying for sex with minors between the age of 9 and 16 in Thailand and the U.S. Subway refutes this by saying they have no record of of her making such claims, but we're continuing to look into it mills also claimed that fogel wanted to set up a meeting between himself and mill's cousin who was underage at the time she said she did not go to the police at the time because she was afraid of fogel's money and power so gross
1: stuff yeah that i mean that that's wild when you get into stuff like that he must have been doing it for a very long time and he continued to like escalate over time and he felt so comfortable eventually that he started asking people those things like he he in his mind he definitely thought that like hey i was untouchable yeah i'm untouchable i can do this uh this is where we're gonna go like if he wouldn't have got caught you would have seen an extreme escalation like probably something more upon like the epstein stuff it's
0: certainly possible so in november 2009 Fogel was engaged to Kathleen McLaughlin, and they would be married the following August, but Jared had gained back 40 pounds and proudly announced he would go back on the subway diet to slim down for the wedding. They would end up having two children, Brady in 2011 and Quinn in 2013. Also in 2013, Jared Fogel was worth $15 million. So an investigation was launched in 2014 after a woman notified police that Russell Taylor, of the Jared Foundation, had offered to send her images of child pornography. Russell Taylor was arrested in early 2015, and his role with the Jared Foundation was terminated. Following his arrest, his arrest Fogel released a statement, quote, I was shocked to learn of the disturbing allegations against Mr. Taylor. Effective immediately, the Jared Foundation is severing all ties with Taylor. Yeah, I bet you were. During their investigation of Russell Taylor, authorities discovered that Taylor had traded sexually explicit photos and videos of children, some as young as six, with Fogel. With the help of a porn-sniffing dog, a two-year-old black lab named Bear, they were able to uncover several hard drives they would have otherwise missed. So, he's not actually a porn-sniffing dog. The dog is trained to sniff the specific chemical components, the metals and plastic that make up hard drives and thumb drives and USB sticks. Bear was, at the time, only one of only five dogs trained this way. Those trainer, Todd Jordan, planned to train more. According to the federal authorities, they found over 400 videos and images of child pornography, including numerous ones featuring featuring children related to Taylor by blood or marriage. Jared Fogel's house was raided by local and federal law enforcement in the May of 2015. Hours later, Subway announced that that they had, quote, mutually agreed to suspend their relationship due to the current investigation. And they said that in a tweet. Like that's how they got it out there. <laughs> they were like, uh, we're well, not associated with Jared anymore. It was a mutual split. Which is just
1: ugh. I don't think they handled that well. They like, did their business suffer? Um not really. Uh they
0: like that apparently was enough for the uh, common masses and they um and they just kind of kept it separate as like there's Subway and then there's Jared from Subway, but Jared was not as far as I can tell, besides that thing that Cindy Mills said, it it seems like Subway had nothing to do with it. Although there was another allegation that they co- that Subway might have covered something up in two thousand four. I couldn't I couldn't find any verification for that, so I I wasn't gonna state it like a fact.
1: Yeah, there's probably no way you would you would have actually found if they were or not. Uh, usually in things like this, there's allegations or like little things that happened to where he or uh, at least Russell uh, when he when they made that foundation tried to escalate things and somebody complained They're like oh that's a weird complaint let's just sweep it under the door it's a one-time thing and we won't think about it I mean say it happened with um the football stuff I, kn- I know all about the story I cannot remember the name is it Penn State that did it uh, oh the yeah coach, um, it starts with a yeah. P
0: no, I, I think it was Penn State, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, all,
1: all that. They, I mean, that all that stuff had been happening for years and years, and they like swept it under the door, and they're like, ah, oh, this isn't a big deal. And, like, people inside the organization was like, ah, oh, we're not, we're not going to have to deal with this. I, I can yeah. guarantee you the same th- the, the same type of stuff happened, just because people don't want to, don't want to deal with it, and you're making money.
0: Uh, although it, it is weird, just how brazen they were, like he had to have been doing it longer than like from earlier than 2007. If like at that point he was already just like talking to women and being like, you, you, you should get me a child. Like it's
1: no, he, I don't, I don't know something. He has, he was most likely, he's most likely been into it his whole life. He just, started exploring it more and more and more a lot of the time in that uh some of them do stay like closeted and you'll never know but a lot of them end up escalating over time like they'll do little things they'll groom they'll do other stuff they'll and they test it so he he had probably been into the stuff for years like probably in his 20s he started he started it and it like it never, you know, it's not going to go away. That's who he is. It's part of him. Yeah, and he was he was only twenty
0: one when he found the success with Subway. So there's a very good possibility that like losing the weight and also like gaining so much money so quickly, like kind of gave him the means to explore uh, his predilection. Yeah. Jared was later arrested in August, just in time for his five-year anniversary to his second wife, Kathleen, and she filed for divorce immediately. They finalized their divorce uh, days before he he was sentenced to more than 15 years in prison as part of his plea deal. She received $7 million, which would help her, now as a single mother, take care of their two children. Federal court documents detail the charges against Vogel. He paid two underage girls to have sex with him in a New York City hotel, and he also admitted to victimizing 12 minors that Taylor secretly filmed. As part of his plea deal, he had to pay his 14 victims $100,000 each in restitution. In one of the tapes Rochelle herman walren recorded, he claims, "...early middle school is probably one of the best." I like all ages. that's the thing I mean. It depends who's ready for what you know who's going to give
1: you the glance,
0: which is just so gross
1: yeah that it's it that it is gross. I've been in that that world for four and a half years now, and it's never it never not gets gross, and it's always. It's always something. You you should
0: probably clarify you work with uh, those uh, children. It's not you're in the world. Yeah, of, you know. I,
1: I work for a child advocacy center, and yeah. uh, we work with kids who have been sexually and physically abused. And so I'm, I guess, technically an expert on it now. I, so that's what the courts would say if I get subpoenaed. So currently,
0: Jared Fogle
1: is in prison in Littleton,
0: Colorado, which is where Columbine happened, which weird little synchronicity there. He will be in prison until 2029, and I believe that's the earliest he can get parole. In 2016, he was badly beaten by another inmate who hates child molesters. When he is released, Fogle will have to register as a sex offender and will not be allowed to have any unsupervised meetings, communications, activities, or visits with any minors unless they are approved by the probation officer. Which means he'll probably never see his kids again. Although I guess he wasn't around much when they were kids anyways. He was too busy flying around to events and also to
1: abuse other children so it's probably best that he never sees his kids again i mean they'll be adults by that time so he could technically see them because they won't be minors but i I highly doubt like they they would want anything to do with them yeah
0: fogel will also be subject to searches by his probation officer for his vehicle office business and residence as well as monitoring of all electronic devices and other hardware Russell Taylor tried to commit suicide in prison and was sentenced to 27 years, although he had to be retried in 2020 due to negligence on his attorney during the initial trial. He will be in prison for somewhere between 15 and 30 years
1: after that retrial. Most uh, pedophiles or people who do this, pedophiles, uh, they do try to, like, commit uh, suicide in prison or right before, like, the sentencing and stuff like that. It is... Very, very common. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, like, whenever he gets out, he's not going to have many options. Because, like I said, his only job was being himself for 15 years. And then tack on another 15 for the prison sentence. Like, 30 years of having no skills. I mean... and, And most of his money has either gone to his wife or gone to court fees and restitution for his victims so like he might have enough to like live a quiet life for the rest of his life but it's going to be very rough on him which good
1: well you got to think about it even then he wouldn't like probably with his stipulations and stuff he probably won't be able to have any type of job like because you can never say that there's always a chance that he could be around a child or somebody under age so there's no there's no way that he he'll ever work again in any capacity. He he'll most likely if he doesn't have any money because of, I guess I don't know like how all that stuff like what what their uh, what the charges were with like the money and how much they kept or if they froze any or what what they did. Most likely, what happened is that he'll end up living off the government for the rest of his life. There's nothing else that he can do. Yeah, it's certainly going to be massive
0: change of pace for him when he gets out. There was, like, I'm pretty sure he also owned the house that Russell Taylor lived in. I, I was looking up something that basically like Jared kind of owned him and abused him. I'm not saying what Taylor did was like Taylor's got no excuse for what he did, but he was uh, a, at least allegedly being manipulated by Jared for some of it.
1: I I can all, like. So with my knowledge of it, most of the time when stuff like this, it's not, this isn't like serial killers and stuff. There's like a dominant and things. Most of the time they're around the same and they see a similar outcome and they use each other. And they, they probably, I mean, honestly, they probably had more people in their circle that they were sending it out to. If you look at chat like chats online like people who send stuff and talk about this who look at child porn online and stuff like it's su- super hard to find but they all have like a ring that they all share their stuff with. Yeah. There's not, you're not doing it alone because you can't find it alone. You have to find somebody else who's found it. And through that you're put into the circle. And from that circle, you get access to everything else. Like that's, it's like that over ninety percent of the time, and I highly doubt it was only them two. And I and I one hundred percent can tell you that they are they were mutually doing this together, and he was not manipulated. Like I I, I can one hundred percent, but like, like not you know never one hundred, but like I'm pretty sure he was not manipulated. Well, I
0: I don't think he was manipulated as in he wouldn't have done it without him. I what i mean is i think they they both happen to be into that kind of stuff and they have yeah. to work together uh but there there are records of jared being like like he jared would call himself daddy around which is really gross but he'd, he'd be like go get daddy another kid and is like oh so like I, I think it was i think i think it was more like dr frankenstein and igor kind of thing where it's like they're they're both doing fucked up shit like like that they would have done independently, but like combined it's even bigger and worse.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super gross and people like that make no no sense. Can you like the, the thing is like for me, even if I was like into anything like that weird, I wouldn't even have been able to like bring up the conversation to be like, "Hey, are you into children? Are you into <laughs> yeah. this like weird?" Like, how do you talk to somebody I, like I, that? I don't know
0: how you find like like-minded people like that. I mean, like it—it's just like my brain's not wired to, for any part of that. So, like, I don't know how they do it, but somehow, a lot of them seem to be able to do it. Not only like having—I I can't even fathom being sexually aroused by children but like then also finding other people to also be aroused by it and like trade images and shit it's just it's it's so outside of the way my brain works and the way I live my life that it's just baffling so anyways i i don't want to end on that cuz uh i <laughs> i i have a uh, history of ending things on pretty downer notes i mean like at least he got caught and he is in prison he is punished to an extent let's let's do one more
1: that's a little bit happier a little nicer way to end is she voiced by um is it what joe pesci or no joe not, pesci yep. yeah that i <laughs> that that was awesome yeah uh so do you remember those ads i um, i do the, remember the little girl yeah yeah okay
0: So, uh, in the 1990s, Pepsi had a successful ad campaign featuring a young actress, Haley Eisenberg. The commercials featured the adorable little girl ordering a Pepsi, and depending on if she got it or not, she would be dubbed over by famous personalities like Joe Pesci, Aretha Franklin, Marlon Brando, and I believe Jack Palance, where she would either, like, berate the person not giving her a pepsi or like celebrating getting one she went on to work in movies such as the insider and bicentennial man and even appeared alongside her brother jesse eisenberg in 2010 holy 2010s holy rollers yeah so this is uh jesse eisenberg's little sister
1: wow but has she not i'm assuming she hasn't done much after that Not
0: really. She took a break from acting to go to college. She graduated in 2014 before returning to the film industry, uh, working as a writer's assistant, as a producer, and helping promote her brother during the pandemic. But she hasn't really done much work herself post-2010. Most of that's because, again, she was going to college, and then after that, I think she just hasn't decided exactly what she wants to do the ads were very popular and she was in quite a few of them so she probably had a pretty good amount of money so she probably isn't like that desperate in need of work so i think she's just enjoying herself like now she's 29 maybe 30 she 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 was born in 90 1992 from what i can tell she seems like a perfectly happy 29 or 30 year old like i said she's still promoting her brother's work like on her instagram and whatnot but hasn't really done too much herself yet maybe she plans on getting back into it but for now it seems like she's just enjoying life so i just thought that was i I was always wondering what happened to her Uh, and and it's
1: nice to know she seems to be doing well yeah it's crazy that it's their brother like uh sibling combos and sibling groups they all, like, end up acting or doing stuff, especially if, like, one gets into it. It's a lot easier for, like, the rest of them to get into it. But just yeah, because yeah, you, so- you have that door, like, that opens for you.
0: Yeah, it certainly helps, like, uh, and it's also interesting to see, like, who ends up being the bigger name. Like, you know, the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen were huge when they were kids, but then, like, they really started, like getting sidetracked by other things and not making as many movies as they got older and suddenly Elizabeth Olsen is, you know, in Marvel movies and and plenty of other movies and she's kicking ass and like you haven't really heard much from the twins yeah. recently.
1: They uh, do, they don't want to act or do anything like that. They want to be away from it. They yeah, no, I, I don't really blame them. Yeah. I mean they they made so much money and did so many movies when they were little that like they they never want to come back really and honestly like, I, like that's a really hard comparison because I would still say Mary Kate, and Ashley are just as big if not bigger than Elizabeth still like which which is insane and because they yeah. haven't made movies in so long or done or been in like the spotlight just because of how like yeah they were incredibly prolific or or like there's also. Um
0: joaquin phoenix and his brother river phoenix river phoenix was absolutely blowing up in the early 90s until he tragically died of an overdose in uh, johnny depp's club but now like people think like oh did you know that joaquin's brother acted before he died like he was he was young indiana jones he was in um oh what's it called uh stand by me but like now like river phoenix is joaquin phoenix's brother whereas back when river phoenix was at his peak like it was just like oh yeah i guess his younger brother's getting into acting it's yeah. just it's it's interesting how those work out but I'm, I'm glad that like pepsi girl seems to seems to be like happy and everything because i mean like a, a lot of child actors have a lot of problems like the olsen twins and shia labeouf and frankie muniz like but she she seems to have like had her had her claim to fame and then like went on to live her life and seems to be doing well, which is a nice
1: change of pace. Child, child actors in general are crazy. We should do something on child actors, honestly, like how, like, I don't know. We, we, we will talk about that later, but child actors and everything are fascinating to me, especially with how much money and like what they get to go through at those times.
0: Yeah, uh yeah, it's a it's, it's a very different life than just being a normal kid. Just just like the opportunities but also like the problems that come with it. It's pretty wild. We're also going to have to come back to this cuz there's a lot more mascots out there that have pretty interesting stories, but yeah. I I wasn't about to fit all of them in here. No. We we'd be going for days. Yeah. So, yeah, th- this was just like a little snag of memorable mascots that that came to mind when I was doing it. But that's all I've got for today. I think that's a pretty healthy little...
1: Yeah. And uh, if you want to see these videos and everything, uh, we'll post this on our Twitter and stuff. So make sure you go look at that and they'll be there.
0: Yeah. So that's it for us today. Next time, we'll, uh, I think we'll be watching a movie. So should be pretty exciting. And uh, we're going to keep keep throwing out this content and hopefully you guys are liking it that's
1: it for me how about you Kevin no, that's all I got I'm glad to be here and loving bringing all this stuff back and brought a lot of memories it was a good time all right sounds good all right well that'll be it from us bye bye